Welcome back to the podcast. We're taking some time to look at the letter of 1 Timothy over the next few months. This letter reminds us what the church is meant to be, so I hope you find it helpful. to read 1 Timothy 6 verses 3 to 16 that is page 1194 there's bibles there on that table if you need them these are the things you are to teach and insist on if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching they are conceited and understand nothing They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the reappearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. We've been in Paul's training camp over these last few weeks. You could say we've been sitting in on Paul's practice group. And all of that was to help the church in Ephesus and the church in Hemel to be the household of God, to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Chapter 6, verse 2. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. These things, everything that's just come before. How to be godly. Teach, insist on that. And this evening, Paul is turning back to the issue at hand. uh, The issue that's going to get in the way of the church completing its calling. The thing that's going to prevent the church from reaching the world out there. And that danger, that danger here is false teachers. Did you see that? Have a look at verse 3. Anyone who teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching. All those things Paul's just been talking about, being a godly witness, all those things people deny, they're the false teachers. See, if the church is to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth, if the church is going to be God's household... If the church is going to put God's plan on display to the world, it needs to watch out for false teachers. 
And so here, in these verses, Paul is giving Timothy a a spiritual x-ray of the false teachers, letting him see beneath the skin. He's showing Timothy their roots so that Timothy can avoid it himself, but also avoid it coming into the church. You could ask the question, what is going to get in the way of godliness? What's going to shipwreck the faith? What is going to lead, as it says in this passage, to ruin and destruction? And I've already made the case, it's false teaching. See, throughout 1 Timothy, this has been the issue, hasn't it? Right back in the very first verses of this letter, we were introduced to the false teachers. They were like a sausage machine where you put rubbish in, you get rubbish out. They were fracturing the church in Ephesus. They were promoting inward division. They were focusing on things the inside people hadn't done and splitting them up because of that, rather than outwardly focusing on the world out there. They were all about rubbish rather than all about love. And this final section of 1 Timothy, we're going to be given this spiritual x-ray, the spiritual x-ray of the false teachers. We're going to see what makes them tick. And by seeing this, we can cut off the supply line ourselves. We can be inoculated against the dangers. So what does false teaching look like? Well, there are three things in this passage this evening. Different doctrine, greedy for gain, and short-sightedness. There you go. I've got some alliteration in for those points, so enjoy that. Here's the very first one then. Different doctrine. If someone comes into the church teaching something different, well, beware. Have a look at verses 3 to 5. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, religious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. See, false teachers, they don't come in with a, a tattoo across their forehead saying false teacher. I mean, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be really easy to keep an eye on false teachers then. But wolves in sheep's clothing, they are meant to be inconspicuous. You're not meant to notice them. They are meant to be hard to spot. But Paul says here that you can spot them. You can spot them by their teaching, by their different doctrine. The different doctrine to godliness that Paul has been teaching, teaching otherwise not agreeing with the sound instruction of Jesus, denying the gospel. Just imagine that someone came in here this evening and they were preaching and they said, well, does the Bible really say that? You know, scholars nowadays, they tend to say that doesn't mean that anymore. Or, oh, well, you see this verse here. Well, it might seem quite clear, but you don't really have to worry about that anymore. I can be in whatever relationship I like. See, views on all sorts of things that scripture is clear on. Things that Paul in this letter has been clear on. There's a whole list of them back in the beginning of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. If someone denies those things, Paul says they are a false teacher. They might be humble. They might be passionate. They may be on fire. They may be winsome. But if they're teaching different doctrine, if they're teaching other things, Paul says, beware, because they're out to get you. In fact, Paul's assessment of them is, is really strong. He says they are conceited and they understand nothing. Or you could say they're, they're bags of air. They're puffed up and they're useless. 
See, no matter how interesting they are, no matter how nice they are, no matter how friendly they appear, if they deny the Bible's teaching of godliness, they're as useful as a bag of air. And why is that? Well, because their teaching focuses on controversy and quarrelling. And it results, verse 4, in envy, in strife, in malicious talk, in evil suspicion, in constant friction. All things that separate people rather than bring them together. The opposite of the true goal, the true goal of love. See, it divides people. It doesn't build them up. It takes the pillars and foundations of the church and it splits them into shards. It wrecks the church. It takes a wrecking ball to the church. And it wrecks the witness to the world outside. Verse 5, their minds are corrupted. They've been robbed of the truth. They misunderstand godliness. They might be nice people, but they're extremely dangerous to the church. Watch out for this, Timothy, Paul says. Don't let this come into the church. It's really interesting, actually, how this this section here, it parodies the qualifications for elders back in chapter 3. If you were to go through here and then read chapter 3 as well, you'll see it's the complete opposite. It's as if Paul has written these two bits together to make his point. Instead of this, you want that. Instead of false teachers, you want godly teachers. You want the right kind of teaching, get the right kind of elders, the right kind of leaders. So this evening, Christchurch, if someone comes in here teaching different doctrine, beware and do something about it. The second thing Paul wants us to look out for is those who are greedy for gain. We got it at the end of verse 5. Those who think godliness is a means to financial gain. Well, let's carry on. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires, and plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Do you see there, the false teachers, what are they in it for? Well, they're in it for the money. They see godliness, they see telling people how to live as a quick way to make a buck. I mean, that was a a common practice in Paul's day. You'd be a teacher, you'd go wandering around, and as you got a following, you'd get people to pay you. But it's still a lucrative business today. Just walk into Waterstones. Go to the religion section. There's a whole load of best-selling Christian books there, all about how to live. Uh, Go turn on your TV, uh, switch to a particular channel. You'll find the prosperity gospel there saying, just sow a seed by sending money to the preacher. Or even closer to home, there are stories of evangelical preachers, big names, who cheat to get their name, to get their book into the New York bestsellers list. People treating godliness as a means to financial gain. It's still common. Now we need to hold that intention with what we saw previously about paying pastors what they deserve. This is over-the-top pay. Don't cut my pay off, please. (laughs) But you see, it's not, it is not that godliness does not lead to gain. You'd kind of think the next verse, Paul would say, but godliness doesn't lead to gain. But did you see what it says in verse 6? Paul spins around what they think. Notice what he says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. See, it's not that Paul says godliness has no gain at all. The opposite, it it does. But just not the way the false teachers want it. Instead, he adds, godliness with contentment 
is great gain. See, there were great gains with the gospel. We've seen a whole load of them as we've gone through this letter. But they are not financial ones. In fact, Paul's logic works like this. He reminds us how we came into the world and then how we leave the world. Perhaps if he was with us today, he might remind us that nappies have no pockets. I checked earlier with Evie. Nappies have no pockets. Can't put anything in them. We bring nothing into the world. A child is born with absolutely nothing. But then when we die, we're in the same situation, aren't we? When we leave this world, we take nothing with us either. So the logic is to chase after riches in the here and now. Well, it's a fleeting thing. You come in with nothing, you leave with nothing. What's the point of the in-between? When we have the whole big picture of our life, well, we can be content, verse 8, with food and with clothing. We turn back to the false teachers, verse 9. They want to get rich. And it's their ambition. It's their goal. But where does it lead? Well, it leads to temptation and a trap. It has an impact on them and on those who fall for their lies. Through their greed for gain, end of verse 9, they plunge people into ruin and destruction. They lead people astray. They lead them into destruction. And that is where this famous verse, verse 10, comes in. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In fact, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, in context, you can see how this is fitting into the argument. It is not telling us to avoid money. It is not making any comment on whether a Christian can be rich or whether a Christian has to be poor. In fact, all the way through the New Testament, there are examples of both. But what it is saying is this. The false teacher's love for money is the root of their evil. If you were to see that spiritual x-ray, Paul says, you would see the very root of their issue is greed for money. Their eagerness, or the language here, could be craving for it. It is what they boil down to. It's why they wander from the faith. They're in hunt of more. But in doing so, they pierce themselves with many griefs. I mean, you might wonder why people who obviously don't believe in God, who don't believe in God's word, enter the ministry. I spoke to some friends in the Church of England and they said, well, you get a house, you get a pension, you get good pay. And if you get promoted, even more. That's what Paul says here, isn't it? Money. I mean, I had a call from the ONS a little while ago. I know Sandra has lots of these calls. Uh, But they were doing one of their COVID surveys and they run through all those basic truths, don't they? Uh, What's your name? Where'd you come from? I feel like Scylla Black. Um, We ran through the basics, but then we got to the, the part about what do you do for a job? Do you manage people? That's always the fun question, isn't it? Uh, So I said, I'm a pastor. And she went, oh. And what she said next threw me. She said to me, oh, are you a rich one or a poor one? Are you a rich one or a poor one? See, the world out there, they know the deal. The ONS know the deal. It affects our witness to the world out there. Watch out for this, Timothy. The temptation can be strong. But if you know that it leads to ruin, you can cut it off at the source. Instead, the solution is find contentment in what you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So Christ Church, if someone comes into this church and is greedy for gain, well, beware. Do something about it. And here's the final thing. I think this uh, ties it all together. And this thing is short-sightedness. Now, I'm not making a comment about anyone who wears glasses this evening. You can't spot a false teacher because they're short-sighted, at least in the glasses aisle. But instead, what I'm talking about is how far ahead they look. Just have a look at verses 11 to 16 with me. 
Paul turns to Timothy and he says this, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honour and might forever. Amen. You see, after exposing the false teachers, Paul turns to Timothy and he tells him to flee from all that. And instead, have a look at verse 11. He says, don't do that, flee from that. Instead, running language continues, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and faithfulness. Rather than pursuing riches, pursue godliness. There's a simple test for a false teacher. Here it is. How do you identify a false teacher? By what they're pursuing. Where do you find yourself in five years' time? See, Timothy is called to fight the good fight of the faith, to struggle for the right thing, to struggle for godliness. And instead of being short-sighted, to have his goal on the future, to be long-sighted. Verse 12, to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. The language there, it's continuing, always going on. The thing that encompasses everything is pursuing eternal life, the long goal perspective, not the short-sighted one. The long-game goal of the gospel, as Timothy's already confessed in front of others. The goal that Jesus, verse 13, that Jesus died for. The goal that leads to godliness. Hold on to that, Timothy, until Jesus returns. It's worth far more now than riches right here, right now. Because when Jesus returns, everything will be yours. You see, that life that false teachers think they can gain through riches and money right here and now? Well, that life, it can only come from the one who gives life to everything. Verse 13, the life that can only come from he who alone has life, who is, as verse 16 says, immortal. The true ruler, not the one who's puffed up trying to make themselves the ruler. The true king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who lives in unapproachable light, the one who has honour and might forever fix your eyes onto the future don't be short-sighted godliness is the way to get there holding on to the gospel is the only way to get to that goal watch out for this timothy paul says don't fall for short-sighted goals they're not going to work instead keep your eyes fixed on the future look for that eternal life flee from all that the false teachers promise you're not going to get it and pursue godliness so christ church if someone comes in here and is short-sighted like that beware do something about it see false teaching is a danger to each one of us just look again at verses 9 and 10 i think we should underline this really get this see false teaching it affects those who fall for it and it affects the teacher of it if we're going to be a church that's all about love we need to look out for each other and for those teachers too So it can be really easy to think it's an issue out there, something for that church down the road to be caring about. It's easy to think that we're immune. But Paul is warning Timothy here, and he's warning us through the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit preserves this letter for us today. So please do hear me when I say, watch out for those who teach different doctrine. 
who are greedy for gain, who are short-sighted. See, if a teacher denies godliness, if they deny the gospel, well, get out, run, flee. So we need to be aware of this ourselves because it's going to be getting in the way of who we're meant to be. And it's going to get in the way of reaching the world out there, in the way that, of putting God's plan on display to the world. Instead, we need to be focusing on the gospel, the gospel that we promise in our uh, covenant to uphold, the confession that we share with Timothy, the, that we share with Jesus as he went to the cross, the confession that's the only way to eternity with God forever, to life, which is great gain. Well, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope it was helpful. Any comments or questions can be sent to the podcast email podcast at david-couch.com and I'll see you next week.